morning, everybody. Or good afternoon. Oh, or good afternoon. That's right. <laughs> I could, you could be listening at any time. For us, it's morning. Welcome to our podcast. It's We're back, Two Yoke Girls, and we are here to talk today about the gratitude adjustment. And if you've never heard of the gratitude adjustment, um, I don't know, like... Get ready. Yeah, get ready. Exactly. <laughs> we, we love it and feel passionate about it. We've been running it at LPY for more than two years now. And I think people are always curious about it and want to know more about it. I hope want so. to understand where it comes from. And then, um, you know, they, they figure out the right time to jump in. But the biggest question we get is like, why? Why did the gratitude adjustment come to life and why do we continue doing it? And I think um, I'm just going to pass it over to you because a big, yeah. you know, I think it was born out of a big part of your life. Yeah. I, it's incredible to think about and to try and synopsize it. You know, I think you and I, when we do things like this, we try and explain what it is. And in all honesty, I feel like it is all the things I've ever done combine and brought together by actual life experiences. I think we started it in 2019 mm-hmm. and it was off of a really big year for me that I sort of saw coming, but not completely. It was, my mom was diagnosed with liver cancer. And so I knew I had a limited amount of time to do all the things that I wanted to do, marching right into the fire of life. I didn't want to turn away. I didn't want to miss an opportunity. I didn't want, I needed tools. I needed really to be able to jump on a plane, fly across country because I'm from California, which is where my parents live still. My dad lives and I live here on the East Coast. And so it was going to be a big deal to go as much as I could, having two kids, working, running a studio, running teacher training, and showing up. And so I knew I had the support of people, but I didn't know how I would react when I was really in the throes of something that I didn't want to happen, but couldn't avoid at the same time. And so I obsessively listened to things that I thought could help me. And I had the it's the luxury and the curse of a six hour flight or so across the country. And so I listened, it was that time Oprah's soul sessions, her podcast, and she would have amazing guests and authors and people who did this kind of work about what you do when life feels like it's about to get really real. And so that's when I started to discover the research and the neuroscience behind things like gratitude and meditation ton of research being done. And so those were my two main tools when I would get a call that it was time to go to California or decide that there was something that I wanted to spend time with in California and kind of decide whether or not to bring the kids. There were so many decisions and it just helped clarify all the things that needed to get done and prioritize what it was really about. And what it was really about was the small moments, right, of my mom's life. Mm. Yeah, I think it's um, a unique way uh, to have learned about it. I think most, uh, myself included, would have turned, I think I do a lot of turning and running <laughs> or, or try my best to turn and run. I have good people in my life who uh, keep me grounded. But 
to lean in, like to really lean in, to know that you're going to walk into the fire and like be able to walk into the fire, um, I think is, is important to have the tools. So Mm. I really do think that that's just an amazing part of you. You, you do often lean in, um, and, but you don't lean in without thought. You know, it's not just kind of like jump in and, and figure it out. You want to, you want to know, you want to have the tools. And I, I think you started therapy around that same time. Yeah. Jumped right in. It was probably the same week I started yeah. doing more gratitude, more meditation. Yeah. Um, or maybe yeah. it was when Adam, so it, maybe it was when Adam got diagnosed or was so it therapy came first. I knew uh, there were going to be some big issues that I hadn't um, figured out yet. And I knew that losing my mom would force a lot of things that maybe I didn't really want to deal with or hadn't resolved yet. And so I just didn't want to do it alone. And I knew that I would need more than just like friends and my husband and podcasts. So yes, it got really big, really fast. Um, and then, you know, I think I can't remember the exact timeline because life gets sort of blurry when it gets hard. Um, but it was definitely, a lot of like fast reaction and decisions that were crystallized with a lot of the meditation and the gratitude work. And then what you're referring to, my mom passed away the beginning of 2018, I think in January. And then that same year, Adam got diagnosed with diabetes. So it was October that he was diagnosed of 2018. So two really big things, one I knew coming, one I had no idea about, but the tools were almost exactly the same. And I remember very distinctly sitting in children's hospital, getting ready to go to bed because you have to spend the night once a kid gets diagnosed with something like that, usually, and being so goddamn grateful that they knew exactly what he had. And we had a plan of action. And so it was, I felt very buoyed by this idea of like, it's going to be okay. And it felt like the whole year of 2018, I was training my brain for some things I knew and some things I didn't know about. And it was unbelievable to feel it work. Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> I remember <laughs> distinctly me and Yolanda sending you an email like, Oh my God, Lorraine, I'm so sorry about Adam. You know, tell us what you need. Tell us how you are. And you wrote back something like that. Like I feel buoyed up by these people. They're experts. Like I am so lucky to be at children's hospital where, you know, they understood immediately and we feel taken care of. And then me and Yolanda in the background of that email chain being like, do you think she's really okay? Like, <laughs> like why? She, maybe she just hasn't realized what's happening yet. Like, can you, she really be that positive about it and waiting for you to like crack? Um, <laughs> almost, but you didn't crack. Like there was no crack. Like you truly felt that way. Um, and I think it, I I truly believe it was a, the practice, like Mm. that you had already been practicing so much gratitude that you were able to look at it from that perspective, um, when kind of the walls are closing in. And I, and almost you didn't even see it as the walls are closing in Mm. and they weren't like, right. Everything was okay. And you did find a way to manage it. But I think the beauty of what we do in the gratitude adjustment Mm. is that it was born out of this um, trying to navigate like the shit storm of life. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times, sometimes in popular media, gratitude gets this like bad rap. Oh, yeah. You know, unicorns and and rainbows flying out our 
bums, but (laughs) that's, that's not it. It's, it's actually just the realization that life is really tough. And that even in these moments that are not monumental, like Mm -hmm. the death of our parents or the diagnosis of children with diabetes or anything, um, that we need these tools Mm -hmm. to help kind of balance it out. And so these tools, I'll just give a little bit more concrete version of what the tools are. I mean, it's, it's based in positive psychology and And um, at this point, I would say neuroscience for us too. Like, I think it started with some psychology and we've taken a little bit more so that it's not just positive psychology because that gets a bad rap too. And so I think we tried to look at where the pitfalls and blind spots are and have added our own take on all of this too. But yeah, go on. Yeah. Well, it was the neuroscience that convinced me, I think more than anything else. So as a young kid, I can remember my grandmother um, dealing with kind of ups and downs of life. And she, when I was a teenager, uh, when I was also dealing with ups and downs of my hormonal life, she Mm. had given me the advice to write down three things I'm grateful for Mm. in a journal every night. I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? No. I thought I told you that. No. My grandma, Barbara, she's a nut. Um, like almost literally <laughs> kind of nuts, <laughs> but she was a great grandmother. And, um, she, that was something that she told me that she had to do throughout life. And I don't know if she did it consistently, but I can remember trying to do it as a teenager when things felt really low. Um, and so, and she said that she had did it, done it consistently. And that's part of it. Like, it's really these little these little habit forming things that actually create these new pathways in your brain, mm-hmm. these new connections, so that when the tough gets going, like you're in a hospital with your son who's just been diagnosed, you actually are seeing it from that perspective. Mm-hmm. And your brain is as able to be trained as your body mm-hmm. in seeing different things um, from different perspectives. And so yeah, we use the neuroscience and the positive psychology or probably even more than neuroscience. And it's really simple things like writing down your gratitude or, ha- but there's specific ways in which we do it, right? Like mm-hmm. it has to be new every day. Um, and we talk about it and then the, uh, what are the other tools? Oh my gosh. So, uh, I love, I'll go back to gratitude because we talked about changing the name at certain points and we don't Mm. want people to think that's all it is Mm. but yes it's that reminder that right next to each other there can be grief and joy and what you feel the most depends on where you're looking Um, so it's not that we don't deal with all the things that feel very real the pain the worry the fear the anxiety that's a natural part of life we don't want that to be the only thing that exists. And if we stare at it too long or let it continue to grow and get too big, it's going to be too hard to manage. So we try and use that training of the brain, like you talked about, through looking at what's going right. You know, the air we breathe, the sun that's shining, the grass under our feet, really simple, unique things. And you start seeing more and more and more of them to help support you through the other stuff, the anxiety, the fear, the worry. And then we also use meditation so that you get to know how your brain works. And in meditation, we use things like equanimity, 
right? Through practice, we use things like self-compassion, all of that savoring falls under that meditation umbrella. And from there, we also use things that connect with the body. How do you move and how do you sleep and how can you improve those two so that you're not over-exercising, under-sleeping, over-sleeping, under-exercising. There's this really cool way that you start to understand your brain and your body and it can calibrate those two Um, because too much of anything is not going to help you either. You know, I think in our culture, it's like keep moving, keep exercising, but that'll just burn the candle and then you forget how important sleep and recovery are. So we add those. And then the biggest piece, and Jill, it reminds you of how we started our conversation even before we were recording, is that connection to other humans, support of community, Mm -hmm. appreciating family, friends. They say that that's the biggest predictor of happiness. Um, Longitudinal studies over like 75 years have looked at what increases happiness. It's not money, it's not things, it's not job security, it's people and relationships. And I think we really want to bring that to the forefront so that it, you have that tool of reaching out. That's another thing that got me through. If I didn't have people like you and Yolanda and the whole community asking and checking in and also just being there without asking and checking in and being there able to hold the moments when I did get, you know, kind of crackly voiced, but still taught a yoga class Mm. um, or sort of there was room to be held. And then I started to get really better, a a lot better at reaching out and using that tool of community too. So. Yeah. Reaching out was, is one of those, like my first reaction to reaching out is always like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you're not the only person. I think a lot of these tools can make you feel that way. I think for some people, gratitude makes their skin crawl, you know, exercise might make some people's skin crawl. Sleep might really be a struggle, but I think that's the training and little by little, letting it be awkward so that you start to use it to your advantage. Yeah. And it becomes, um, it becomes less awkward as soon Mm -hmm. as you try to use it, it becomes more concrete, like, oh, this reaching out, it, it, it's not just like a, I don't know. It's not advice. Like there's real concrete reasons why you want to reach out and talk to somebody and it really works. So that after you do it for a couple of times, um, and it's not even like reach out and spill all your problems. It's Mm-mm. literally like connect with another person at school drop-off or, mm-hmm. um, you know, it can be an endless um, type of thing, but it really works. And so what we ask people to do is first of all, to get a little bit more aware of who they are and what their patterns are, what they're bringing to the present moment, and then to shift with with habits and patterns and to get out of their comfort zone and see mm. if it works for them. And typically, I mean, we do, we do rest, we do exercise, we do meditation, we do gratitude. There's going to be something, we do connection. There's going to be something in there that resonates with people and shifts and changes them. And every single time we've done it, that's the feedback that we get, that there is Mm -hmm. actual change and um, difference in the way that they walk around the world, which is what we see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What they see and how they interpret what they Mm -hmm. see. Um, So yeah, it's a passion project for sure. It also is, um, 
I think just naturally born from yoga, right? Like Mm. we do a lot of time talking about like connecting the body and the mind and being present in yoga, but you have to practice it for more than just 60 minutes or more than just a moving practice on your mat. Like those tools are real, but you need to practice them in bigger parts of your day if you want it to last. And the other thing I'll say is that everything I listened to in that year, I don't even know what to call it, but that year that felt so big in my life, every expert, every researcher, everyone who was on the path of allowing humans to do better or feel better talked about these exact things, but never had a place for people to go to use them. So for example, it would be Dan Harris or Oprah Winfrey or Brene Brown. All of them would talk about these exact things, meditation, gratitude, regular practice, exercise, sleep, recovery, community. And then eventually somebody would ask somebody else in these interviews, so how do you do this? Well, you find a group of people that are like-minded. All right. Uh, Well, start showing up in places where people like you hang out. It was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) How's that going to work? And so it really came from like, we have this. We have a community. We have four walls where it's open to the public. We have classes where people come and move and breathe. And Mm. so can we create what everybody is craving and wants and needs? And Dan Harris tries. He has an app, right? Oprah has a network, you know, Brene Brown has books, but how are you accessing this in your life? You can read all you want, but until you sit and do and practice, it's just going to be something that you read somewhere once upon a time and you're kind of trying, but here you have a community of people who keep you accountable, yeah. who remind you how it works, who show you, who help you, who are awkward with you. It's like the difference of doing yoga on, on demand where like it's pre-recorded and you're watching it after and doing yoga in a, in a class or, or like a lot where there's a teacher who's watching your body, who's helping you move, who's keeping you accountable for not checking your cell phone. Like there, that's the difference maker, right? The, mm. the science is there. The tools are there for anybody to use. We're not, it's not secret patented stuff. The difference is, that we give a place to land mm-hmm. and practice together. And it's, you know, like it's just, that just makes it all, that's what makes it work. Yeah. Real time. And you can't get it wrong and you can always try again. Yeah. Speaking of, we have another one that's launching. Hey. <laughs> And somebody asked me, who do you think should join? And I'm like, everyone, like who doesn't need a little bit extra support? Somebody who's understanding people who will listen. You don't even have to say anything. It's funny because I I consider myself or maybe used to whatever, considering yourself as such a stupid thing. You know, the (laughs) stories you tell yourself all the time, but like, I don't need this. I'm already happy. Like I do a great job. Like in general, I'm, I'm a pretty happy person. And, um, me too. Yeah, exactly. But it's true, but it, it works for people who are struggling and for people who are happy because let's face it, like you're not always happy. Like you mm-hmm. are going to struggle. And if you don't have the tools for the time when it comes for struggle, then it's going to be a lot harder to wade mm-hmm. through the mud than 
just learning the tools and keeping that frame of mind. Like mm-hmm. it takes it just like your body's physical fitness, your mm-hmm. mind's fitness takes work. And so you should do it while it's, while it's working well. It's an and even keep more it. of a reason. Yes. yes. Keep it going. It's going to be, there's the neuroplasticity. And so you can pick up anytime. Our group is incredible and diverse in our ages, not so much our gender, which is why I think women live longer than men. But anyway, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're yes. diverse for sure. Um, and it allows us to use what we've got while we've got it, because the truth is good news or bad news. I'm not sure. We're not getting any younger, mm. right? This is the youngest we'll ever be is right now. Mm. Um, but that allows us to really take what we've got and use it to our advantage so that we, there's so many traps out there too. There's comparison on steroids with social media. Like we know how to get out of that trap. We know what's happening because we've spent some time in meditation, in discussion, in being able to analyze where our brains go and why. And so it's just, it gets more and more fascinating every time. Yeah, we can actually, we've done enough research now that we understand the physiological impacts of all those things, like the hormones that are being released, why these things, why it's hard to actually navigate through life. And in the gratitude adjustment, like you learn all of those things, like Mm -hmm. what looking at social media is actually doing to your physiology, what happens to you when you rest, what happens to you when you work out, Um, because that's baseline, right? Your physical well-being is, your mind can only work optimally when your body is and vice versa, right? It has to be at the same time. So it would be a disservice to yoga if we just had you get on the mat and work out for 60 minutes a day and didn't have an offering like this where mm-hmm. it was actually getting at your brain um, to make your, to make things feel easier. Mm-hmm. And we talk about that negativity bias, why you might be attracted to the train wreck or why, how the news uses that mm-hmm. panic button to get you involved and to get your eyeballs on the TV more often. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all good. It's I know. Good stuff, but I'm it is really good. Cut you off. <laughs> it's okay. We'll do some more. Okay. Yeah. We'll t- we'll do another podcast where we talk about like the science behind why it works. So for anybody who is skeptical, mm-hmm. um, which count me in, like I definitely am skeptical of most things. We'll talk about kind of the really concrete ways that this stuff works. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Thanks. Play us our outro. Here it is. Oh. Shout out to Mike Borgonzano for the music. It's an original. He's Mikey Bikes on Spotify, and you can I would take s- his class. Yeah, I would say you can stop shouting him out, but that you're just—that's <laughs> gratitude right there. I'm so grateful for his talent, his music, and the fact that he's part of our community. He also asked me about the gratitude adjustment, so maybe he'll listen. No pressure, Mike. <laughs> Bye. Bye.